special solo late night edition of a free bean salad. This episode, and for perhaps another episode or two after this, we're just going to be taking things easy and relaxing. I have here some correspondence from a listener named Tim, so I'm just going to read that now. Thank you, Tim. We appreciate all the correspondence we get here on this show. Let's start the evening off right with a surefire hit, Pink Floyd's Shine On You Crazy Diamond. I've been informed by our producer that Firstly, this is a pre-recorded podcast and not a late-night dulcet tones talk radio show. And secondly, we don't have the rights to play popular music, so I'm very sorry if you were looking forward to listening to Pink Floyd. Uh, but hello and welcome to a free bean salad. Uh, not sure what to call these uh, these solo episodes. Uh, s- uh, solo free bean salad story. There we go. Got it in one. Uh, my usual co-host, Jack Rudden, is not with me. Uh, so I'm I'm here on my own, keeping keeping the content going, because otherwise there would just be a hiatus. Uh, I want everyone to rest assured these solo episodes have made there, there may be, I'd say one or two, depending on how well this one goes. Uh, aren't going to count towards the 52 weeks of suffering. Uh, so there are there there are still going to be 52 normal episodes this season. Uh, this is just something to tide you over, a little little desert island of an episode, a little intermission, a little middle ground. Uh, so we're just I, I don't have any planned format. I don't know what I'm going to do. Uh, so I'm just going to kind of uh, go with the flow. Talk about what comes to my mind. This is potentially dangerous. Uh, it's it's nice to have another person here because it means that I have someone to keep me level and on track. And that's not going to happen here. Uh, so, yeah, enjoy however long uh, this episode lasts of my dulcet tones. Uh, I have had message- messages before on uh, on the podcast app. Uh, the podcast app? Nope. The podcast Instagram. It's nearly two in the morning. I'm a little tired, and I'm drinking some of my special water. So forgive me if I occasionally slip up in my wording. 
But I've had messages from uh, people on the podcast Instagram, which I am primarily responsible for, saying that uh, they thought that my voice was the the most radiant, the most beautiful uh, on the podcast in various different words, which I, I do appreciate, honestly. Especially considering that's not something I'm used to hearing. I, I once, this is a true story, I once asked uh, a girl out, I told a girl that I liked her, and her exact response was that I had a face for radio and a voice for books, which I would probably have found more hurtful and offensive if I didn't find it quite so funny. Uh, genuinely thought it was so clever. Uh, uh, so yeah, like I say, no, no topics planned, just kind of going to go with the flow, talk about what I feel like, uh, maybe, maybe talk about some movies, uh, I've got some, I, I think I may have mentioned, I've got some, uh, listener-suggested topics, uh, you know, that I haven't looked through yet, and so we're gonna be looking through them together for the first time live on air, uh, and because I am already, frankly, running out of places to go, I'm, I'm gonna, gonna crack into those straight away, so, First things first, Joe Rudden has said, Why didn't you invite me to take Jack's place impolite as fuck? Joey, Joey, Joey. Joey, Joey, Shabadoo. Uh, we, we, me and Joe, me and Joe talk quite a bit off air, uh, so Joe will already know all of this, but, uh, Joe had some exams, uh, fairly recently, I think possibly still does in the very near future, uh, I'm not sure, uh, I'm, I'm an adult, uh, who isn't in hell anymore, so, uh, yeah, Joe, uh, I, I thought you were busy, I'm sorry, I, I, and that aside, I will say that scheduling with someone who lives in the same house as me is difficult enough, uh, and if, you know, as much as I wish Robin was able to come on the show more often, uh, though obviously she's got her whole life, you know, going on, you know, she's got a full-time job and all sorts of other guff going on, which means that she, you know, isn't able to join us as anywhere near as much as she would like. Uh, which thus far hasn't been at all since season one, which is, you know, unfortunate for everyone. Uh, and like I say, I do miss her input on the show greatly. But if there's one thing I certainly don't miss uh, from season one, it's having to wrangle three different people all over the internet, all with different schedules and things. Like, my god, that was a hassle. The other thing I really don't miss is having to edit with multiple audio tracks, whereas with me and Jack now, we can just talk and then boom, one audio track of everything we've said, and that's that. It's just, ah, oh, blissful. But, yeah, it's, it's, I, I don't miss organizing with people over the internet. Uh, that being said, uh, uh, Joe may be joining us in the future in one or two wee projects. Uh, so, so stay tuned for that. Uh, anyway, our next correspondence comes from Frickin' Alien Alfie, who has suggested the topic Scooby-Doo. And our next correspondence comes from Joe to Earth, uh, Joe Rodden again, who asks, what would you wish for if you had a wishing rock? Now, I'm assuming that's a reference to something I don't understand. Uh, but let's see. Now... I fought, I fought long and hard about this sort of thing before, uh, you know, I've, I've 
try to be as specific as possible with what my wishes would be in case I end up in some sort of monkey's paw scenario, or uh, to use terminology that will be more familiar to our listeners, a wish-upon style scenario. Uh, and, well, I know that, first things first, any sort of magic wishing thing in any sort of fiction always, always, always uh, has the caveat of, like, oh, you can't wish for infinite wishes. So first things first, wish that I could wish for infinite wishes. Then wish for infinite wishes. And then, I, I honestly... Although I know that this would realistically not happen, because I am human, and therefore fallible, and also greedy, uh, I w and I would probably end up abusing the wishing rock, I like to think what I would probably do is just go about my day-to-day -day life as normal, and when something was inconveniencing me, I would wish it away. You know, nothing, like, major, nothing like I wish this person didn't exist, like, nothing that crazy, but, like, maybe I'm rendering a video or something, I'm like, oh, I wish this progress bar would hurry up, and then, boom, progress bar hurries up, that's great. Uh, so, that's that's what I'd like to think I would do, just go about my day-to-day -day life, just wishing away, uh, you know, whenever necessary, whenever I would, I deem that it would be for the greater good. Uh, but the very first thing, I don't know, maybe, like, a nice hat, a hat that fit perfectly and didn't cause my autistic brain to have any sort of sensory issues, that'd be good. Uh, our next correspondence comes from J underscore Rodden underscore, uh, whoever that is, uh, who asks, Is holding a little hand over your face while you drink a tasty broth considered a mask? Now, this ties into a discussion we were having just last week about what does and doesn't constitute a mask. And I would say to you, J underscore Rodden underscore, if it's your own hand, I would say that's up for debate, and I'm not the person to answer. I'm just some guy, you know? Uh, I'm not a mask expert, but I would say, if it was someone else's hand, especially if it was someone else's, uh, like, disembodied hand, then, yes, I'm going to go ahead and call that a mask. Next question. Uh, question and or topic, I should say. Uh, J underscore Rudden underscore... Read one of my GM comics challenge. Jack has just put GM. Uh, now, I know Jack is learning to drive at the moment. Some of the audience might not know that, but Jack is learning to drive at the moment. Uh, I'm not learning to drive, and I don't have any interest in automobiles, so Jack, I'm not going to read any of your General Motors comics. I'm assuming that's what you meant. Uh, next topic of discussion comes from J underscore Rodden underscore, who suggests... Discuss... The queer undercurrents of Tremors. Happy Pride. Happy Pride to you too, J underscore Rodden underscore. Uh, but I can't do that. There are no queer undercurrents or any queer subtext in the 1990 Kevin Bacon Fred Ward vehicle Tremors. Uh, because it's not subtext, it's text. It's just openly a queer film. Uh, Fred Ward and Kevin Bacon's characters. Yes, Kevin Bacon gets with a girl at the end. And yes, Fred Ward gets with a girl in the sequel. But... Come on, they're an old married couple in the first film. You can't tell me otherwise. They are totally... Like, when I think the gay cowboy movie, I'm sorry, but I'm thinking of Tremors. Uh, it's just one of many reasons why Tremors is one of the best films ever made. Tremors 2, also surprisingly good. The rest of them exist too. Uh, our next topic suggestion comes from J underscore Rodden underscore, who we haven't heard from before this episode, who says... 
sapphic connections of the Ghibli universe. Is it Ghibli or Ghibli? I've heard it pronounced both ways. Uh, I, I, I kind of interchange them. Uh, well, firstly, I didn't know there was a Ghibli universe. Secondly, I don't know what the word sapphic means. So, <laughs> moving on. Uh, next uh, suggestion comes from Frickin' Alien Alfie, who says simply, Paul Heyman. I don't know who that is. So, our next one comes from... Uh, this name's hard to make out. Adam Red... Uh, I don't know. I can't, it's, it sounds like the name of someone that doesn't give us money. Uh, Liam Payne. That's what they've said. They've said Liam Payne. Uh, I also don't know who that is. I'm a very sheltered individual. Our final suggestion comes from Coleman. Coleman of Bundle of Two fame. Oh boy, Coleman. This is... Uh, okay. Coleman has said September 11th and the lottery. Boy, oh boy, Coleman. That's... Uh, Okay, so, uh, I'll start with the lottery, because that's kind of something I feel like I'm more equipped to talk about immediately. If you're talking about the short story, or is it a novella, or is it just a novel? Anyway, I haven't read it, uh, and I'm only familiar with it mainly through a Simpsons joke where there's the, the, the lottery jackpot goes up and everyone takes that book out of the library and then the local news say it has nothing to do with strategies on how to win the lottery and everyone just starts burning it. Uh, but if you're talking about the quote-unquote game, the uh, the form of uh, legalized and uh, socially acceptable gambling, uh, I'm I'm not a huge fan. I'm just not a huge fan of gambling. Uh, it it preys on uh, people such as myself who are neurodivergent and maybe have addictive personalities, uh, and it's it, as well as preying on the poor and desperate. Uh, it's, it's, in my opinion, just not very good. I mean, it goes with any form of gambling. You know, you'll see ads constantly that'll be like, when the fun stops, stop. You know, when you've had enough, you know, if you're, if you're upset or you're intoxicated, don't gamble. But, like, it's obviously all nonsense. Like, it's a business first and foremost, and you, the customer, are supposed to lose. Otherwise, the business isn't sustainable. You know, people don't just give people money for free. That's insane in our current capitalist hellscape. Uh, but, yeah, I just, it's, it's, you know, you could argue that, you know, some people would, you know, know when to quit, but I find that very few people have that level of self-control, even if it's just someone going up to, say, a roulette table and saying, I'm just gonna, just gonna make one bet, and whether I win or lose, that's it. So many people, if they lose, they'll go, okay, well, I'll just try one more time. And so many people, if they win, but if, if you win, no one has ever gone, gee, that was a quick and easy way to make more money with zero effort. I'm going to not do that again. You know, it's, it's the whole point. You think that was quick and easy. I'm going to keep doing that. And then you keep doing it and you keep doing it. And, you know, the house always wins at the end. That's, 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 you know, that's the meme, folks. Uh, I'm saying nothing that none of our listeners have, have, have heard before, but yeah, be it the lottery or a casino or loot boxes in video games it is all just targeting vulnerable and or desperate and or neurodivergent people uh and you know as a result it kind of pisses me off specifically because i am neurodivergent man uh 
which on the same topic, am I the only one that gets severely pissed off at those shitty ads you see for like mobile games where is someone intentionally playing the game as stupidly as possible so that you get frustrated and want to download it and show them how it's really done. Now I don't actually fall for any of those because I have some level of self-control and I know that the games being advertised are never the games that you get and they'll be filled with ads and possibly malware. But it is just specifically targeting neurodivergent people, especially people with things like OCD. And like, that's just beyond predatory and beyond scummy. And so beyond the fact that you don't usually get the game that's advertised and it often contains ads and malicious software, I don't support those things because uh, morally uh, I'm against that sort of predatory behaviour. Uh, but anyway, back to the topic of gambling. Uh, if you do want to beat a casino, here is my advice, and I'm definitely not the first person to come up with this. Uh, but it's it's advice that I will pass on whenever I get the opportunity. Find a casino that has preferably a free buffet and complimentary drinks. Now the complimentary drinks, another incredibly uh, predatory thing designed to get people who are in a casino and so possibly already have addictive personalities, uh, to get them drunk so that their inhibitions go so that they gamble more, spend more money, lose more money. But, if you can find a casino with a free buffet and a free bar, find the game that you can spend the most time at while spending the least amount of money, and then eat and drink as much as possible. And then, after you have eaten and drank more than you have spent, and this does require some level of self-control, you book it out of there, and if you do that enough, and especially if the world at large does that enough, congratulations, you have bankrupted the casino industry. Uh, so that's uh, in a long-winded way. Uh, th thanks for that discussion topic, Coleman. That's definitely the the, the longest discussion we got yet. Uh, gambling is bad, actually. Uh, the lottery is just uh, socially acceptable gambling, essentially. You know, if you go to the slot machines every day, people think that's an addict. But if you buy a lottery ticket every week, people think, well, you know, it's just a lottery ticket. But it is it is essentially the same thing. It's just spread out slightly more. You know, it's, there's a great line in the documentary, uh, The Corporation, which is, is a documentary that I'm mixed on in terms of quality, but there's a line where someone says, if I shoot you now, that's murder, I've killed you, but if I sell you a chemical that you will ingest over the course of 40 years, and then over the course of those 40 years it will slowly kill you, what is the difference? The difference is that it takes longer to kill you. And that's kind of how I feel with lottery versus something like a casino. It is basically just the same thing, but spread out over longer periods. Uh, but it's still just as predatory and horrible, uh, and I don't like speaking on things quite like that without someone here to bounce off of, because, frankly, I don't trust my own opinions most of the time. Uh, I, I've, I've said it to multiple people, and I will continue to say it here. I am kind of the last person whose opinion you should listen to, uh, because I am... Uh, I mean, I'm neurodivergent and queer, but I'm still a cis white man. Certainly, you shouldn't listen to my takes on pretty much anything. Uh, I'm an uneducated fool. Most of what I say is just uh, nonsense. I don't know. Uh, what was Coleman's other thing? Oh yeah, September 11th. Okay, speaking of things I am fully not prepared to, to have opinions on... Uh, 
Yeah, okay, firstly, uh, uh, thank you, Coleman, uh, but firstly, uh, not really my national tragedy to speak on. Uh, the most I am prepared to comment at the moment is, people dying is bad. That's all. Uh, so that's all of the uh, the topics that have been suggested. Uh, that the lottery kind of got me got me going off on one. Uh, so where to go from here? I mean, this is just a. I I could talk about whatever I want. This is just this is just my soapbox now. Uh, I mean, I get on my soapbox pretty much every episode anyway. Uh, but normally it's a soapbox that has to be framed within the context of whatever we're talking about anyway. Whereas here, I'm not talking about anything anyway, so I could talk about whatever. Do you want to know what book I just read? I just I just read The Celluloid Closet by Vito Russo. Uh, may he rest in peace. Uh, it's a book that's been out of print since, I want to say, the early to mid-90s? And it's most well-known these days for having a film based on it, a documentary film of the same name, uh, which I have seen. I saw it before I read the book. And uh, the documentary is fine for what it is, I think. I feel like I would like it less now that I've read the book, uh, because the documentary is very much... It's a documentary for straight people about the most basic canon of queer history in film, which is obviously fine. Straight people need to be educated too, if anything, possibly more. So, 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 you know, absolutely you know, fine for for what that is. But it is just like the most basic film canon, you know, it's your uh, your Some Like It Hots and your Cruisings and things like that, whereas the book uh, is much more detailed and being less about individual films is more about societies, especially American societies, prevailing attitudes towards gay people as it is displayed through the history of cinema up to that point. Uh, I read the revised edition, which was... I think the book was written initially in the early 80s. The revised edition was, I think, 1987? Uh, so obviously there was still plenty of representation yet to come out. Uh, and there are, you know, issues I have of it. Some uh, things that I would consider factual errors. Some things that I would say definitely ha should have a big old citation needed next to them. Uh, but on the whole, I think a lot of its points are very good, and I, I think a, a lot of what it says is quite interesting, and I feel like it, I will view queer cinema history slightly differently henceforth, uh, which is good for me, because that's kind of my thing, believe it or not. I, I, I haven't, I obviously haven't had a chance to speak about it on this, you know, left-leaning queer film podcast, but I'm quite into the history of queer cinema. I, I, uh, when I was about 16, uh, me and uh, a friend whom I, I've kind of sort of lost touch with over the past few years, uh, we were both in a Discord call together, and because we were both, like, 16-year-old nerds, uh, we went onto the Wikipedia page for a list of lost films, uh, and we're browsing through that, because... Uh, among other reasons, I've had an interest in lost media and lost films specifically for years and years and years. Uh, you know, there's always something elusive and interesting about it, even if, you know, when these things are found, they're often nowhere near as interesting as, you know, the mystique built up around them. But, 
I had heard years before uh, on a podcast called Lost in the Static, which uh, I think ended years ago and I haven't listened to in years, so I have no idea if it holds up. Uh, but I, this would have been when I was like 12, 13 listening to it. I heard uh, that there was, uh, they did an episode on Lost Media and uh, one of the hosts mentioned that there was a gay pornographic film or an all-male film, as they're known in the industry, uh, about Jesus Christ called Him. Uh, and I had, you know, briefly, you know, uh, read about it after that, you know, just out of curiosity, but never really followed it up. But being a, you know, stupid 16-year-old talking to another stupid 16-year-old, I decided, hey, this would be a, a weird, you know, obscure thing to bring up. So I said, hey, there's a, a lost gay Jesus porn film. And, you know, we both, you know, did the usual. We went to the the one or two blog posts that there are about it. Uh, certainly there were about it at the time. And we're like, whoa, this is really cool, really interesting. And then we just kind of kept going. And about an hour later, we had a couple of email addresses and a couple of phone numbers. Uh, and I, th I think it was my friend who just said, should we just make this a thing? And we we made it a thing. And we just... We we went on and on and on. Eventually, due to you know commitments and school and things, uh, this friend kind of kind of dropped out of the fray, and it mostly became me single-handedly doing most of the work. Uh, I was doing this when I probably should have been you know actually paying attention in school and studying, but you know who needs like exam results that will get you into college when you can study all male Jesus films. Uh, and study it, I did. Uh, my, the The full piece that I wrote about it is available on my website. That is www.jackwholman.com. Uh, it's 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 all there, along with a lot of my other work, including some of my short films. Please, for God's sakes, don't watch them. Uh, I really should just take them down because I'm honestly, frankly, embarrassed by a lot of them. Uh, but the the essay on him is. Uh, it's definitely not my best piece of writing, but it's probably the best piece of writing that I've, you know, been able to publish. Uh, and in, fair, in fairness, it's got my foot in the door in a few places. A few people have uh, asked to interview me. A few people have reached out to me asking if they can use me as a source. I've been quoted in at least two print publications that I know of. Possibly a master's thesis or two. Uh, you know, it's it's slightly wild. One of the people who put me in their book uh, referred to me as a film scholar, which uh, I think we brought this up in the last episode, it's something I utterly disagree with, you know this is literally just something I wrote I mean, I've updated it since, but the bulk of it I wrote when I was like literally a child uh, but still, it's it's I'll, I'll you know, I'll, I'll take someone calling me a film scholar any day uh even if, like I say, I totally disagree with it, but it's still something to put in the bio. Uh, but, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, and, you know, that's, that's kind of how I got my start in the, the world of queer film academia. Uh, even though, like I say, I don't think I've, I don't think I've actually published anything I've written since, though I have written a lot since, but for one reason or another, haven't been able to publish anything. Uh, but certainly I've kept an interest in queer cinema and the world of just, uh, academia and pornography generally uh, it's it's a subject that's very near and dear to my heart i think that pornography is uh, a totally valid art form 
like any sector of the film industry, it's rife with abuse, obviously, but like I say, that's any sector of the film industry. And certainly the, the porn industry is, you know, I, I think is getting better generally. Uh, certainly it's better than it was even 10, 15 years ago. Uh, but but I do think it's where a lot of the more interesting art often comes from, uh, especially from marginalised groups. Like, if you think about really great queer films from, say, the 70s, I think a lot of them are pornographic in nature. You know, your Wakefield Pools and your Peter DeRomes, you know, the people who are doing really actually audacious and visually fascinating stuff. Uh, and, you know, but they often get written off as even nowadays as just porn, you know, just, it, which is just, you know, I, I feel like it's kind of a, kind of a Philistine's view, you know, it's, it's, you know, people say that, well, you know, what, what, what separates porn from a normal film? Well, porn is meant to be erotic, and I say that's absolute horseshit. I've seen plenty of films that people have labelled as just porn that are absolutely not erotic. Uh, my go-to examples are Roger Watkins' films Her Name Was Lisa and Corruption, both of which are some of the most nasty and angry and just depressing films, just period. Uh, they do have sex scenes in them, but they are almost deliberately unerotic. Uh, and they, these films, especially Corruption, is possibly my favourite pornographic film of all time. Uh, though it's not, like I say, it's not one I would find at all erotic, uh, but visually and in terms of its story, it is just absolutely phenomenal, and I would highly recommend it if you are not averse to explicit material. Uh, but then at the same time, you get something like Short Bus, which is uh, generally not regarded as a pornographic film, but at the same time, like it has an awful lot of sex in it, and it is all entirely unsimulated. And I, I'll i be honest, I think that at a certain point, where you draw the line is just completely arbitrary. Like, I would say that Short Bus is just as much a porno film as, uh, you know, Wakefield Pool's Take One, or Roger Watkins' Corruption, or anything like that. But it's, it, yeah, it's, it's all kind of arbitrary, and like I say, marginalized groups face employment discrimination, especially in, like, mainstream cinema. As The Cellular Closet points out uh, quite heavily, a lot of uh, higher-ups in the film industry, especially in, like, the 60s, 70s, 80s, uh, just didn't want to do films about gay people. Uh, and if they did, it was always, you know, issue films where the whole plot was that the main characters were homosexual and, you know, not it just being a film where the main character happens to be homosexual. Whereas, you know, once once marginalised folk and their film ideas are shot down in mainstream Hollywood, well, they'll go to wherever they can get a budget and a camera. And a lot of the time, that's in the porn industry. And as a result, a lot of the most interesting work from marginalized groups is in the porn industry. Uh, so, yeah, don't, you know, don't don't look down on a film just because it's got an arbitrary label on it. Uh, it's, you know, it's just as much an art form as anything else. If anything, it's its own 
kind of separate art form because it requires specific talents and skills that don't necessarily translate to other art forms, certainly not other motion pictures necessarily. Uh, and, you know, sex work is difficult and, you know, people often talk bad about the acting in pornography and, like, fair enough, the what I'll call traditional acting in pornography, you know, delivery and things like that, often aren't fantastic. But the fact is, that's not what you're hiring porn actors for. Uh, you're hiring them to make sex look appealing. And sex, uh, for those of you that have had it before, will know that... Uh, so none of our audience uh, will know that uh, sex isn't a very appealing-looking thing uh, visually. It's difficult. It's really, really difficult to make sex look appealing. And the ability to do that... Uh, that that takes a lot of skill, and so you know, don't don't knock porn actors. They are, they are, applying a skill, and they they you know they should be should be just as respected for it as me getting on my my pro pornography soapbox here. I am I, have I really been talking for like thirty five minutes? That doesn't seem right at all. Uh, yeah, I uh, this has been my uh. My little soapbox episode, my little solo episode, uh, where thus far I have uh, the two topics I've discussed most prominently are gambling and pornography. So, uh, so what's next? Uh, alcoholism, drug addiction, uh, uh, <laughs> no, those are pretty much all the vices I can think of, uh, and both of which I am from a first-hand point of view, thankfully not very familiar with. So, uh, yeah. Uh, wh what do you want to talk about? How about I just sit here and make vague approving noises while you talk at me? And it'll it'll seem like I'm really intently listening to whatever you're saying, so you, you just start. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. All right, all right. <laughs> yeah, right on, I'm right on. Uh-huh, uh-huh. No way! Ah, oh, that's sick, man. No. You didn't. Oh, you... Oh, you. Man, that's a really great story you just told. Man. That's a really great story you just started telling. <laughs> I could do this for the whole episode if you really want me to. Uh-huh. 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 You could just play us on a loop if you, uh, if you want to feel <laughs> uh, like you're having a conversation with me for some reason. Uh, man, that girl who said I had a, a face for radio and a voice for books, I hope she isn't listening to this. She'd have uh, probably gone mad by now, as most people probably will have. As as I possibly am. I'm uh, I'm bad at talking to myself. To, for someone who, you know, I'm usually the only person I end up having a conversation with. Uh, but the second that the microphones are on, I'm su suddenly second-guessing everything I'm saying. And uh, that's uh, not great. I'm probably going to listen back to this uh after i'm done recording and for every single thing i've said go hmm 
Is that the right thing to say? Should I have said something different? Hmm, hmm, should I cut that out? Hmm, hmm. Which, you know, isn't a healthy level of neuroses to live with. Uh, but here we are. Uh, our first patron is Mrs. H. Our second patron is Andy Kinsella. And our third and currently last patron is Joey Rodden. If you want your name read out in this section, go to patreon.com forward slash freebeansilepod. That is the word free and donate one euro or more per month. If you donate more, you get other rewards. If you donate less, you can't donate less. Joke's on you. Unless you donate nothing, which, unless you're one of the three people I just named, you already, you already are doing that. Uh, this is my only source of income at the moment. That's patreon.com forward slash freebeansaladpod. That is... The word free. I'm I think I'm gonna go ahead and say that I've probably talked about as long as I can uh, without just getting into monotonous ramblings, uh, as much as I'm sure some of you would adore that. So with that, I'm going to say farewell, audience. Uh, we'll see you next week with hopefully some more topics I'll actually have anything to say about. Mm -hmm.